Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. As always, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. Nowhere else to start, but last Thursday, um, it was actually the 20th, so a week ago now, but it happened later on in the night, so it happened after, way after we'd we'd finished the, the podcast, but the result and the, and the fight to mention actually um, happened in the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Friend of the show, Mike Reed, 24-2, and now 25-2. and A points win over eight rounds against Angel Hernandez, who's now 15-14 and with two draws. Real small little bill, that one. But moving out now to a, a bigger card uh, at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. The undercard, let's start with that. Charles Franken moves to 2-0, and a knockout in the very first round against Ilgvars Krautlis, who's now 1-5. Um, Ofer Jones looked real good. Uh, he moved to 2-0. and He had his man down and out in the first round. A brilliant knockout, actually. Um, obviously, Ofer Jones came over from the States, and it was over, like I say, within three minutes. He had his man down twice in that first round. Michael Horobin, who's now Two and um, two and twelve. Um, Shannon Courtney she moved to three and zero. Oh, um, a TKO in the second round against Valeria Setapovska, who's zero and one with with zero draws. Um, Shannon Courtney three and zero. Oh. I've got to be honest, I don't even remember that fight, and I was actually there. Like I, I can't even remember seeing her box. I can I can remember seeing her walking around after, but I can't even remember seeing her box. Reese Bellotti, he moved to 14-2. and two, um, A knockout in the fourth round for him against Jozu Bendana. I think he was actually the first fighter on the on the bill that actually fought. Like, the first fight, I think, was Reese Bellotti, or perhaps the second. Um, he looked pretty good. It was a left hook to the body. It was a real fudding, fudding left hook. He hit him, and instantly everyone just kind of went, ooh. And then the guy himself... It took him a couple of seconds for him to realise, actually, I can't continue. He went down on his knees, and that was the end of that. He didn't get up. He didn't beat the count. Um, bit of an upset here. Dwayne Sinclair, 10-0. and 0. He took on the, I don't even want to say journeyman, really, because he's better than that, but he's got more losses than wins, so... You know, what do you say? But anyway, 7-12 and 12 was Anthony Fox with four draws. Um, but yeah, he's now he's now got another win here. A points win over eight against Dwayne Sinclair. He takes his O. Uh, moving up the bill once again, Connor Ben. He proceeded to 15. and know it was the defense of his WBA Continental Welterweight title. He ended up topping the bill, by the way. Um, in the other corner, Jussi Kavula, 24-7 and seven with one draw. Kavula was down twice in that second round, and that was all she wrote. We said this guy had so much more experience in a pro ring than Connor Ben, and his standout performance was a split decision loss to, to I was going to say Jesse Vargas to um, 
Um, what was the what was the Vargas again? Was it Vargas? I had semi semi Vargas. Yeah. So um, so yeah, you know that was his standout performance, even though it was a loss. And Conor Ben does better than Sammy Vasquez. Is it Vasquez or Vargas? Is it Vasquez? Help me, eyes. No, it's Vargas, isn't it? Yeah, it's Vargas. I'm sure there is a Sammy Vasquez. Um, but yeah, it wasn't him. Um, sorry to confuse everyone there, but yeah, so Conor Ben made a bit of a statement. He walked onto a big shot within the first two seconds of the fight. That was a bit interesting. I thought straight away, ooh, this could really get quite difficult for him, but, um, it ended up going to a tear up probably way too soon for Kavula, and it really did favour Conor Ben, so a good win for him there. Uh, Ted Cheeseman, 15 and 1 going in, he took on Kieran Conway. 12 and 1. That's now two fights in a row that Cheeseman has failed to pick up a win. Um, I felt like the judges were pretty fair, to be honest. They didn't sway with either fighter over the top. Um, I think most ringside thought that Cheeseman probably just nicked it, but like I say, a split draw over 12 rounds for Cheeseman's British super welterweight title. It's a bit annoying, really, because if I'm not mistaken, I think that was his first defence, and it's not actually considered a successful defence because it was just a draw. So he will still need the the three wins all over again to win it outright um, if that is his mission. So it means he'll probably be hanging around that domestic scene. Um, You know, I'm guessing he probably will do that anyway. That was probably always the plan, seeing as he failed as miserably as he did at European level. So he'll he'll be at British scene. You'd you'd probably expect for another year to two years, I'd say. Um, Obviously, they're talking about that fight with... The guy that beat Fowler Fitzgerald. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Um, Craig Richards, 14-1. and one. He got the win. Now 15-1 and one against Andre Sterling, the previously undefeated man. Now 10-1. and one. Sterling was actually down in the sixth round. I'm going to go through what I thought of it. Um, I, I actually felt the first round was probably a Sterling round. I mean... You know, he was popping out some nice jabs. Craig looked a little bit tentative. Um, He only let go of his right hand once, did Craig Richards. And I felt like you could just see the concentration in Sterling's eyes. He had serious focus in his eyes, and he seemed to outwork Richards, really, in the first. In the second round, it was a bit of a nothing round, but Richards probably lost it again. Um... You know, obviously, he had this little kind of record going into the fight that he hasn't been over three rounds since he's, you know, properly moved up to light heavyweight. He's been knocking people out without uh, without going to the fourth round. And he needed to really get on it because, in my book, he lost the first two. Um, again, in that, third, in that second round, I should say, um, Sterling wasn't really getting through with anything particularly clean, but he was putting the pressure on Richards, and Richards was just really pouring with a jab. Um, he was looking to the referee for a bit of help once or twice also. Uh, the third round, that was where I felt like Richards finally did win a round. Um, you know, was seeming to finally get into his rhythm at the back end of the round, not so much the first part. Sterling was looking a little bit tired already in that third. That was a bit of a um, a bit of a worrying sign if you were in his camp. And like I say, Richards was, again, in my opinion, just throwing singular shots. Everything was a little bit telegraphed. He wasn't fainting at all. I would have liked to have seen a few more feints from him. He wasn't really disguising his attack too great. Uh, in the fourth round, it was a close round. I think perhaps Richards might have just stole it. Um... Sterling was actually hitting Spider Richards in the back of the head on the blind side of the referee repeatedly in a clinch, stuff like that. Real clever, experienced stuff. I did just feel, like I say, that uh, Richards was a little bit 
too patient, he was waiting too long to get off with his attacks, he was waiting to constantly counter-attack rather than initiating anything. Uh, the fifth round, another close round, I think Richards probably ended that one um, pretty pretty good, I think he probably won that one. A lot of the time Sterling would initiate a clinch rather than box up close, um, Richards would constantly remind the referee again, and the referee in my opinion was, was, warning, uh, was warning Sterling probably a little bit too much, I was expecting a point to be taken off in the next few minutes certainly the next few rounds um, but going into that next round obviously that was where Craig Richards hit Sterling with a shot that made his knee touch the canvas and the referee didn't give it a knockdown so it was a bad call but he decided to let it carry on and Richards gestured that he was real upset with that he was like shaking his head I think he threw his glove down in, in annoyance um, but the action carried on, and instantly, Craig Richards put his man down. So it probably, in the aftermath, did him a favour, really, because he really hurt him with a shot that put him down. But like I say, credit to Sterling. He got back up. Um, his, his legs were gone. They were completely stiff. He couldn't move anywhere. And Richards just, just went straight forward for him. He was constantly hitting him with power shots. I've got no idea how he, how he actually stayed on his feet with such stiff legs. And he really did get saved by the bell. He staggered back to his corner. Um... Incredibly, though, in the seventh round, I actually gave that one to Sterling. He came out, he boxed well. I felt like he was probably, um, you know, in his right to still have scrambled senses, but he boxed really well, and he actually landed a huge shot of his own on the chin of Richards, and he took it like it was a tickle, to be honest with you, but certainly a Sterling round. So, real good response to being knocked down. In the eighth round, I also gave that one to Sterling. Um, I was really impressed, like I say, the the amount of heart he showed after being put down. In the ninth round, arguably it was a 10-10. It was a real close one. Um, no one really did much. Um, Craig landed with two nice one-twos, if I remember correctly, but it was such a lackluster round. It was really hard to give it clearly to anyone. Um, in the 10th round, it looked like Sterling was probably winning it until Craig picked it up in the second half and landed his backhand a few times again. He was he was waiting a little bit too long for me. He didn't really have any urgency in his work. He was not, again, initiating an attack. He was trying to counter with singular shots. And like I say, you can't really win a fight like that unless you land every time with purpose. Um, Again, I think Craig probably just about nicked it, though. In the 11th round, it was a big round there for Craig Richards. He was loading up with heavy left hooks. Um, that was a shot that was working again and again for him. And he was finally turning it round again after, you know, after having a few rounds where he was a little bit quiet to be fair to him, Sterling did look absolutely exhausted in that 11th and it, like I say a big round there for Richards and then in the final round Richards really did close the show, the stronger of the two um, he danced around and boxed smartly I could see Sterling wincing when he turned his back away from the referee and Richards, it was it was like something was, was up with him, it looked like he was in pain when when uh, when nothing was happening, you know, like literally he was, he was turning away and he, he seemed to be wincing I'd like to try and find out if there was something wrong with him if he broke something or whatever but yeah brilliant brilliant win there for Craig Richards real um learning fight in my opinion I think he he's pleased with a win but I don't think he was overly pleased with his performance he's he's obviously his biggest critic um but yeah it's another marquee win really he's he's really 
riding a crest of a wave right now and unlucky for Andre Sterling because he showed tons of heart but it just wasn't enough I feel like I think I think my my scorecard was like I think I had it to Richards by four points in the end uh, moving out now though to the Ulster Hall in Belfast Northern Ireland a couple fights to mention over here firstly Paddy Gallagher now 16-5 and a knockout in the third round against the previously undefeated 5-0 and Liam Wells like I say a third round TKO there for Paddy Gallagher uh, Stephen Ward now 12-0. and From what I've heard, it was a fantastic fight, but it ended after the eighth round, a technical decision, an accidental head clash that left Stephen Ward badly cut above his left eye. Um, I think he was also down in the fourth round. Uh, but yeah, he, he had a bad, bad cut that got worsened as it went on. And um, yeah, it was a win actually for him. It was the vacant WBO European light heavyweight title in the other corner. Liam Conroy, 17-5 and five now with one draw. So two losses in a row for him. Obviously, the first one came to Boatsy, a man that was there at York Hall. Uh, top in the bill, though. Tyrone McKenna now 19-1 and one with one draw. It was for the vacant WBC international super lightweight title. In the other corner, Dara Foley, 17-4 and four now with one draw. Foley was down in the eighth round. He got up, though, and he was there till the final bell, a unanimous decision there, over 10 rounds in favour of Tyrone McKenna, moving out now stateside, um to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. Seems like there's a fight card there every single week. I feel like I've said that so many times. I could say it in my sleep. Uh, Blair Cobbs, friend of the show, now 11-0 with one draw. It was a knockout for him in the sixth round against Robert Redmond Jr., who's now 7-2 and two with two draws. Uh, Redmond Jr. was actually down in the second round, um, and his corner actually stopped it after six, so a knockout win there for Blair Cobbs. Uh, also on the bill, Angel Acosta, 20-1 and one going in. He got knocked out, though, in the final round by Elwin Soto, who's now 15-1. and one. Acosta was actually down in the third round, and he was stopped standing. I feel like, um, from what I've seen, I didn't actually watch the fight, but I feel like, from what I gather online, it was a terrible stoppage. I think I saw a clip of it. I think, I think. But apparently the stoppage was absolutely awful, and people were disgusted. But yeah, the new WBO World Light Flyweight Champion, Elwin win Soto, perhaps a rematch will be in order there, uh, but topping the bill, Andrew Cancio in the rematch against Alberto Mercado, um, Cancio makes it two out of two now against Mercado, he managed to score a knockout in the third round, he successfully defends there his WBA World Super Featherweight title, Cancio uh, was cut in the first round on his left eye and also on his right eye in the second round, both of those though to, to, uh, to accidental head clashes and Mercado in the end was counted out by a body shot in that third round 21 and 2 now Mercado moving out now to Spain at a venue that I'm not going to try and pronounce actually I think I did it last week but I'm just not in the mood this week it happened at Cantabria um, in Torre la Vaga no accent for you guys there. No accent there. But topping the bill, Sergio Garcia. He moves now to 30-0. and 0, The guy that beat Ted Cheeseman back in March at the Copper Box. Um, a defense there of his EBU European Super Welterweight title against Sergei Rabchenko, a man that Kel Brooks stopped in two rounds. Very surprisingly, Sergio Garcia actually went the full distance. 12 rounds unanimously in favor of Garcia. And that is quite shocking. I'm very, very shocked there that it went the distance. The beating he was putting on Ted Cheeseman. Um, perhaps Rabchenko against Ted Cheeseman would be a good fight. Um, moving out now to the York Hall at Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. Um, Ashley Fiafane was supposed to box, but his fight fell through last minute. But one fight we must mention, and this is um, 
kind of sad news, I guess, here. Roxana Begum, again, that was the Muslim lady that signed with David Hay. She was being trained by Ishmael Salas. She didn't tell her family that she boxed, and then she turned up on a Joe Joyce undercard, and she actually drew, and a lot of people felt like she was lucky to get the draw against Ivanka Ivanova, who was rumoured to have been spotted outside York Hall um, eating, I think it was a cheeseburger, and chain-smoking these uh, these, this pack of cigarettes. But anyway, the rematch happened on Saturday night, and it was 14 months after the first fight. Begum hadn't fought in the meantime. I'm not sure if Ivanova had. But it ended up being four two-minute rounds. And Ivanka Ivanova managed to pick up the win on points. So Begum now 0-1 and one with one draw. It's very unfortunate. But you'd probably have to advise her to give it up now. It's, it's a cool dream that she had. And she met some cool people along her very short-lived pro career. But I think you'd have to say... What's the point, you know? Even over only had one win to her name. Now she's got two. Um, and she probably should have won the first fight. So even Begum went away for 14 months to try and improve. And it just wasn't enough. So good good win there for Ivanka. Even over, I'm told it was a fantastic fight. Her record now 2-11 and 11 with two draws. Uh, moving out now to the Emirates Arena in Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. Topping the bill, Lee McGregor. He moved to 7-0. and It was a defense of his Commonwealth bantamweight title against Scott Allen. It was an 8th round TKO. Scott Allen now 9-4 and with one draw. Uh, Kieran Smith picked up a win now 15-0 and against Ivan Montero. That was a 10-round unanimous decision for Smith. That was a defense, by the way, of his WBC International Silver Super Welterweight title. Um... That's about it for that one. Moving out now to Maryland at the Rosecroft Raceway in Fort Washington. Uh, one fight to me, or two fights actually. Keep an eye on this guy, Lorenzo Simpson, who's now 5-0, and a fantastic amateur he was. Um, he actually took on the undefeated 1-0, Dwayne Williams, and like I say, a TKO there in the second round. I think Simpson's knocked out all five of his opponents. Um, I think he's campaigning at middleweight or light middle, something like that. Definitely, definitely one to look out for. And also, friend of the show, Hassim Rekman Jr. picked up a win. Now 8-0, a unanimous decision over four rounds against Curtis Head, who's now uh, who's now 5-4. and four. And the final bill, moving out now to the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um... On the undercard, Ledwan Barthelemy, 14-0 with one draw now, 15-0. It was a win over eight rounds unanimously against Jose Cayetano, a man that's been in there with quite a few of the top guys at featherweight. Um, I think he's been in there with, I think, was it Quig? Was it, um, I think it might have been Selby as well. I think he's even been in there with Santa Cruz, something like that. He's really mixed it with, with I think, two or three real big names at at, um, at, at featherweight, but a good win there for Barthelemy. He wants to try and follow in the footsteps of his older brother, Rancis Barthelemy. Also on the bill, Jamel Charlo picked up win number 32. He's got that one loss. His opponent, Cota, was actually down twice in the third round. It was a brutal knockout in that third round. Jorge Cota now 28-4. and four. And Guillermo Rigondo, 18-1. and one. A lot of people saying it was probably the most exciting fight he's been in. He's now 19-1. and one. Um, both fighters actually had a point deducted in the 8th round for low blows and it seemed like Rigondo was able to capitalise on his he managed to get um, Sehar, I think it said Julio Sehar, he had him out of there in that eighth round. So an eighth round TKO there for Rigondo, and Sehar is now 32 and four. All right, that is everything then for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated, the reigning WBO middleweight world champion, the tall, black, and handsome Mr. Demetrius Andrade. Demetrius, welcome back on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's me again. It's me again. So, Demetrius, we last spoke back in January. It was just before the Akavov fight. Um, That fight, obviously, you really dominated Akavov. Um, You know, we knew him over here in Britain for the Saunders fight. You got the stoppage in the final round. Some people felt the stoppage was a little bit premature. Were you happy with your performance, though? How did you rate it? You know, I um, displayed, you know, skills, talent, IQ, and, you know, a hell of a jab that night. And, you know, that was a key to that fight in the body shop because, you know, you know, I was fighting pretty much, you know, a rabbit. You know, he was running around a lot. You know, he, he didn't really want to sit in the pocket to do do much. Um, versus when he fought Billy Joe Saunders, he was definitely coming at him full steam ahead. So, I mean, you know, we did we had to do in the W and the performance I, I was great. I came out untouched, unbothered, so it's always the A. Yeah, dominating win, like I say. And of course, next up this Saturday at the Dunkin' Donuts Centre, Masio Selecki will be in the opposite corner. Um, what do you know about Selecki, Demetrius? Um, man, he got a big head like a beluga, <laughs> a beluga whale. <laughs> Can't miss that thing. Um, so that's, that's going to be fun, and he comes straight for it. You know, he claims he's a warrior, he's a tough guy. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know he's going to come forward and um, come to fight. So it's going to be great for me to utilize my skills and my tools. And obviously his one loss came to Daniel Jacobs. It was a close kind of fight until he got dropped in the final round. And obviously in his last fight, um, he was able to beat Gabriel Rosado. But he was in major trouble in that ninth round going down twice. And I remember watching that fight thinking, wow, I mean, Rosado wouldn't even lay a glove on Andrade. Yet Selecki kind of scraped the win. Is this fight about making a statement and giving the boxing fans in Providence something to remember? You know, it's definitely um, something for New England, Providence, Rhode Island, of course, get to see their, you know, their 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 home champ, people's champ, um, finally in action. And I'm just gonna go out there and give it, give it my best foot forward, give it my all, make the proper adjustments that I need to do, and get the W. And of course, I'm going in there to, you know, be the first one to actually stop Selecki because, you know, again, <clears throat> he's been down late in the last one, two, three, maybe four fights that I um, can think of right now, maybe three. And, um, you know, knowing that, take him into deep waters because we're sitting on a yacht. <laughs> and I want to get your reaction, if you watch the fight, that is, um, to, to Golovkin's win against Steve Rose. It wasn't all Golovkin. Um, interesting fight. Did you see it at all? Yeah, I've seen it. I watched it. And, um, you know, he got hit a lot from a guy that was ranked 81. Yeah. And, Demetrius, who do you want? If you, if you can give me a name, I'd be real pleased with this. Who do you want out of those guys there? You know, the the Charlos, the Golovkins, the Canelos, the Jacobs. Who's the guy above all that you want, um, you know, perhaps next after this fight, should you win? You know, the way how things play out is that Canelo has, you know, three of the four um, four belts. And that's something that people want to see, unifications, the top, um, you know, fighters fighting each other, elite guys. And there's nobody else out there for Canelo or for myself to keep calling out and fighting um, guys like 
other than guys like Selecki. Selecki's a tough guy. You know, he's not a Steve Rose. Um, you know, Triple G, um, you know, like fighting him is cool and it's something I would, um, you know, have no problem doing. But I'm looking for Canelo. Canelo is pretty much the face of boxing right now because he has the most, you know, fan base, um, popularity, mainstream. And so for me to get to that, I just got to keep doing what I need to do, and that's win. And also get in the ring with him to show people that might not know much about me that, oh, yeah, this is a better guy out there than Canelo that is, can talk the talk and walk the walk. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer in you. I've been that from day one. I think that's a brilliant fight. I hope we do get to see it. The final couple of things I got for you, Demetrius. Like I said, um, you know, Selecki, as you mentioned, was down against Jacobs, down against Rosado. You've brought big time boxing back to your hometown here. Um, you're you're obviously looking to make a statement. If you don't at least drop Selecki, would you be bitterly disappointed in yourself? Um, you know, Selecki does have a good chin because he does get back up from there but I believe you know I've been I'm extremely working hard uh, my work ethic shows my skills talent my, my, my record therefore I should not have a problem you know putting Slucky out like I said that head is too big to miss so there's going to be a lot of shots being thrown and you know once I make the proper adjustments to start landing the big clean shots uh, we're going to see what happens and finally, Demetrius, lately I've been doing a lot of boxing voices, trying to impersonate boxers' voices. I did your one. I don't know if you've heard it. I'm pretty good at doing your voice. You ready to hear this? Yeah, let me hear it. It's a recording, though, because I, I can't do it on the spot because I'll just mess it up. But this is my recording. Listen to this. Tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Demetrius, Android, the Dunkin' Donuts, Santa in Providence, um, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, he's taking all these nasal sprays. <laughs> He doesn't want to fight me. <laughs> it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> How's that, man? <laughs> that, was, that, that was great, man. That's great. Good job, man. Proud of you, man. Hey, I'm proud of you, my friend. Me again. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Demetrius, it is always a pleasure catching up with you. Believe me, you are... One of my favorite fighters in, in world boxing, really. Best of luck, like I say, for Saturday night. We'll speak again soon, for sure. All right. Thank you, man. Take it easy. God bless you. Keep up the great work. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what you got? Jamel Chorovis, Brandon Adams, uh, for the WBC middleweight belt, will be shown live and free on ITV4 this Saturday on June the 29th. Excellent news. I mean, it's been a while since ITV have showed us some some free-to-air PBC boxing. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's not a fantastic card. We will go through it in a moment or two. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't moan about terrestrial uh, boxing being on terrestrial TV. So I'll certainly be tuning in for that as well. Yep, that's it for the news. Thank you very much, Ayaz. Right, starting now, uh, this is tomorrow, actually, in Italy at the Allianz Cloud in Milan, in Lombardia. Um, we have over here one fight, really, to mention of note. We've got Francesco Patera, 21-3. and three. Uh, He puts his EBU European lightweight title on the line against Paul Highland Jr., 20-1. and one. Obviously, the, the common opponent is Lewis Ritson. Lewis Ritson made light work of Highland Jr. I think he had him out in the first or second round, and then, obviously, Patera beat uh, Ritson on on points, so uh, you'd you'd have to favour Patera, but it's not an awful fight. So uh, 
I don't know if that one's on Sky, actually. I has maybe try and check that one out. Uh, moving out now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. This one is a MTK Global show. I do want to just say Chantelle Cameron was supposed to be boxing on the bill, but her fight has now been pushed forward to July 20th, I believe, at the Brentwood Centre. So a bit of a blow, actually, to the bill that she's not on that because I was really looking forward to seeing her box. But it's, it still goes on. Uh, a couple fights, actually, to mention over here. Sam Gilly, 8-0. He's in a six-rounder against Jermaine Camero, who seven and six. I've seen Camaro box someone else. I think it was for the Southern Area title. He's not actually a bad fighter. I think he's from Mitcham. Um... C.R. Osgall, 15 and 3. He takes on Anthony Yidget, 23 and 1 with one draw. That's an eight rounder there. Very, very bizarre one there. Uh, Ryan Walsh defends his British featherweight title, 23 and 2 with two draws. He takes on the undefeated Lewis Paulin, 12 and 0. And O'Hara Davies, 18 and 2, takes on Miguel Vasquez, 41 and 7. That's a 10 rounder there. Obviously, we saw Vasquez get knocked out by. Um, by Josh Taylor. That was a good win for Taylor. And here is O'Hara Davies. So both men have lost to Josh Taylor. I'm, I'm sure he'll be just sitting back on the sofa tuning into that one um, without a care in the world. But we are going to the predictions, Ayaz. O'Hara Davies, Miguel Vasquez of Mexico. How do you see it? Ten rounds at your call. Um, I'm going to go with O'Hara Davies to win by points. O'Hara Davies on points. Do you know what? I am going to agree 100%. Taylor become the first man to stop Vasquez. So I don't see O'Hara Davies being able to do it. So yeah, I'm going to go with Davies on points with you as the listeners though have gone with Davies by knockout 45% actually going with that one. Um, yeah, so that's it for that one. Moving out now to the Pachanga Resort and Casino in California, USA. A top-ranked card over here. Some good fights to mention. Let's start with Junior Farr, who's 17-0. I think he holds a win over Joseph Parker in the amateurs. That's a 10-rounder against Dominic Gwynn, 37-12 with one draw. Also on the bill, Carlos Adames, real good fighter, 17-0. He takes on Patrick Day, who's 17-2 with one draw. That's a 10-rounder there. Carlos Adames, a man I think is really capable of winning a world title at some point. Um, and topping the bill, Richard Comey, 28-2, and Garner's hero. He puts his IBF world lightweight title on the line against former belt holder, Mr. Raimundo Beltran, friend of the show. We had him on either last week or the week before. 36-8 and eight with one draw. I'd love to see Beltran do it. I think both men can bang. I really don't see it going the distance, but that's just my opinion. Uh, the listeners, let me go and check what they've said. They've actually got it a complete draw, so we're going to have to do a new poll, actually, to uh, to sort that out. So we'll announce what the listeners said at the very end of the show. I'll do a new poll. We'll ignore that. We'll get we'll get onto the listeners' prediction at the very end, Ayaz. But for now, me and you, what's our predictions here? Richard Comey and Raimundo Beltran. Oh, I'm going to go with Beltran to win by points. I think Beltran's a very good fight, and I'm going to go with Beltran to win. Beltran points. That is that is optimistic, Ayaz, to say the least. I think I'm actually going to go with Comey by knockout, even though I'd hate to see that happen. Um, I've got nothing against Comey. I think he's got a brilliant story. I really do. But I just think Beltran... Uh, 37 years of age, I think he is now. Comey's right in his prime. He's such a big puncher. Uh, I just think it might be the right time, actually, for Comey to look good here. Uh, moving out now, though, to the Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall in Las Vegas, Nevada. One fight to mention over here. Cameron Crowell, who's 16-13 and 13 with three draws. He takes on Keith Hunter, 10-0. and 0. That's a 10-rounder there. That's a Mayweather Promotions card, by the way. Shout-out to Keith Hunter, friend of the show. Um... 
Moving out now to the Foxwoods Resort in Mashantucket in Connecticut, USA. Um, one fight to mention over here. It's a weird one. Return of the former uh, former world champion, Chad Dawson, 34-5. and five. He's having his 40th pro contest. It's an eight-rounder against Quinton Rankin, who's now 15-5 and five with two draws. So all the best there to Chad Dawson. I've been trying to get him on the show for a couple of years. Not quite sure what's going on there. It'd be good to get him on. And finally... Um, no, there's actually two more cards to mention. We're going to start here at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Demetrius Andrade. Awful, awful impression, Joe. Stop there. I might even go back and delete that. If, if, if you have heard it, I've considered deleting what I just said there. Ooh, embarrassing. Let's start with the undercard. Friend of the show, he was on last week. Joseph Parker, 25-2. and two. He's in a 12-rounder against Alex Leopai. It very much is Australia versus New Zealand. Both men have got some Samoan heritage. Uh, they're putting that aside and, and getting it on. 32-7 and seven with four draws. Leopai, you know, he's, he's, he's passed his best. He hasn't been very active since the Klitschko fight. Um, shout out, by the way, to... This website in New Zealand, I think it's, I'm not sure, I'm sure it's quite quite a bit more than a website. I think it is like a real news channel. I think it's called stuff.co.nz um, or NZ. Um, stuff, I think they're quite a big news station. They actually uh, used and featured our, our podcast interview with Joseph Parker on last week's show. So shout out to those guys. But yeah, Joseph Parker, I'm expecting to get the win there and pretty easy. Also defending his world title, Cal Yafai, 25-0. and 0, He puts his WBA world super flyweight title on the line against Norbelto Jimenez, who's 29 and... F- oh no, sorry, 29-8 and 8 with four draws. Um, I as Cal Yafai been the most longest reigning British world champion of all our current champions, but it's been a bit lackluster. And looking at this guy here, I mean, I think we we mentioned it at the time. He he hasn't lost a fight for quite a while, but his first eight fights, he'd. In fact, let me just have a look before I say incorrect information. He lost his first four fights, three of them by knockout. Then he got a win. Then he went on to lose another three. So his first eight fights, he lost seven of them. I mean, he's 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 really improved. But, I mean, the guy is on his record and nothing. You'd expect Cal Yafai to probably look good, actually. He just needs to not take his eye off the prize because we've seen him do that a couple of times and he hasn't looked great. I'm coming to you, though, as for the main event here. Uh, Demetrius Andrade, 27-0. and 0. I don't know if you want to drop me an Andrade impression. It's probably going to be better than what I just did. But it was his WBO world middleweight title on the line against Maciel Selecki, 28-1. His only loss came against Daniel Jacobs. Should be a decent fight. Oh, if I'm, if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Demetrius Andrade to win on points. I think it's a very good fight, and I think it's very slick. And I think he's going he's gonna to go on to fight Canelo. Okay, no impression from Ayaz. You're going with Andrade on points. I think you're probably right. Andrade on points. Um, yes, I, I think I'm going to agree. I don't think he's going to step on the gas, even though I think he very much could do it. We saw Selecki in worlds of trouble against Gabe Rosado. I think Andrade could actually do it, but I don't think he's going to step on the gas. So I think he probably will cruise to a pretty lackluster points win, I'm afraid to say. Uh, but all the best to Android, friend of the show. And the final bill to mention happens at the NRG Arena in Houston, Texas, USA. It's a bit of a homecoming for Jamal Charlo. It's on Showtime, but it's also on ITV4, as I has announced in the news part of the show. The undercard is pretty lackluster. Um, 
or I should say lacking excitement. There's not too much really to look at. Ericsson Lubin, 20 and 1, takes on Zakaria Atu, who's 29 and 6 with two draws. That's a 12 rounder there, but the main attraction, the, the main event, 28 and 0, Jamal Charlo. Some say he perhaps shouldn't be undefeated. He had a real close fight against Korobov. It's for his WBC world middleweight crown against Brandon Adams, 21 and 2. Um, did we go to the predictions on this? I'm not sure we did. Let me just have a real quick look here. Um, no, we didn't, because that is how one-sided I'm expecting this to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to see Charlo in some of the big fights. I know that there's politics getting in the way, but I just think, looking at this guy here, Brandon Adams, his loss came to John Thompson. Do you remember John Thompson? John Thompson, he actually got knocked out by Liam Smith for the World uh, world title, the vacant WBO back in 2015. Well, anyway, John Thompson knocked out this guy in two rounds. Uh, Willie Monroe Jr. also beat him in his other loss, completely shut him out back in 2014. So, looking at his wins, I mean, I'm having a look here, and I don't see much. He's, he's actually coming off a win against Shane Mosley Jr., um, which doesn't really say too much. So, yeah, I'm expecting Jamal Charlo to completely bang him out, probably within Certainly within four rounds, I'd be shocked if it goes to the fifth round. If John Thompson gets you out in two, then... And he's only got seven knockouts, John Thompson, from 19 wins. And that's now. That's since he's he's picked up another win or two. So, yeah, Charlo wins that by, by decapitation, actually. Um... That is it, I believe, for the preview. Yes, it is. That is everything. Okay, just before we wrap up part two and ultimately end the show, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Billy Dib. Billy, welcome back on the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on, Billy. So we last spoke about a year ago. It was in June, actually, of last year. It was just before the Tevin Farmer fight. Obviously, that night didn't go your way, and you immediately retired in the ring afterwards. It was a very emotional speech you gave. It brought tears to my eyes, being a friend of yours, Billy. But, you know, you did a U-turn on your retirement. You had a fight back in April. Um, just tell me, how come you made a return to the ring? And uh, just tell me about the fight. Obviously, it ended in a round. You come back with a bang. Yeah, well, I guess I guess the, the real reason, man, was that, you know, I just didn't have an exit plan, you know. I, I figured that... You know, if I retired from boxing, all these doors would open up and I'd start doing things. And then I found myself in, in the lurch, you know, like with nothing to do. And, you know, so then, um, you know, obviously when you when most people in life, you know, step away from something they're doing and they don't find something else, they just go back to it. So that's exactly what I did, you know. So obviously, um, you know, coming off the loss to Pharma and then having a bit of time off, I just wanted to find, you know, I just wanted to kill some ring rust, you know what I mean? So... We didn't actually get a chance to kill much ring rust because the actual opponent that I was actually supposed to be fighting pulled out from the fight, leaving us with a last-minute replacement who didn't offer much resistance. So hence the reason why the fight ended in one round. And you moved up to lightweight for that fight, is that right? That's correct, yeah. I moved up to lightweight, yeah. And obviously the latest news is that you've been brought in to, to replace Amir Khan's opponent for July 12th in Saudi Arabia. Firstly... Um, to confirm, this is a welterweight contest. That is correct. It's a welterweight contest. Look, here's the thing, right? So I was actually um, set to, to appear on the undercard against an opponent from Indonesia with a record of 29 wins and 10 losses. So, you know, I was preparing really well for that. So I'm in great shape. 
and then um, obviously Amir Khan's opponent pulled out, and so they contacted me and were like, "Listen, Amir Khan's opponent's pulled out. You know, the show's in jeopardy. Are you are you interested in stepping in?" And I was like, "Wow, we're out. Like, this is a big opportunity." But you know, obviously I questioned the weight and whatever. And at the end of the day, you know, like Amir can't make any lighter than that at this stage. So I just agreed to take the fight. It's a big opportunity, so I wanted to do it. And in my opinion, and surely everyone else with a boxing brain's opinion, you're a much better fighter than Khan's original opponent. But obviously there is that criticism from from most people, uh, not about the skill level, but the weight difference. Obviously you had your glory days at featherweight. You haven't really boxed above lightweight um, out of push, obviously in your last fight we mentioned. So surely you, you must admit that you're you're giving some edge really to Amir here. Obviously, it's it's the, the oh, look, that suits him. No, no doubt about it. You know, I mean, let's let's be quite honest. This is definitely the rocky moment of my life. You know, what I mean, like this is if you want to put it in rocky terms, this is uh, Apollo Creed versus Sylvester Stallone. This is Ivan Drago versus Sylvester Stallone. You know, what I mean, it's like you know, it's it's this is definitely my rocky moment. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm, I'm obviously taking a major major risk but it's risk for reward you know what i mean so you know obviously uh team khan are really looking after me the offer that they give me was basically something i couldn't turn down so uh you know at the end of that i'm willing to take the risk i mean i know what's i know what's at hand i know i mean he's not much taller than me i know him very well he and i are good friends we know each other you know we spent time together so i know how tall he is i know what i'm up against you know what i mean obviously i haven't faced the kind of uh, ferocity that he brings. But he, he one thing about him is that what makes him different to Tevin is that he's going to be there to be hit. You know, Tevin was not there to be hit. You know, Tevin was so hard and elusive and stuff like that. But one thing about me is that he'll, make, he'll, he'll be there to fight. And, you know, I'll try to make it a dogfight for as long as I can, you know. So we'll just see what happens. And this is quite a bizarre situation, obviously, because, you know, if, if, if we were saying after that Tevin Farmer fight that, you know, next year, a year later, you're going to be fighting in Jeddah against Amir Khan. We'd all, we probably all have started laughing. It, it just wasn't going to happen, especially at welterweight. <laughs> but um, this, this, Never. this, this is surely, if you win this, this is surely the biggest win of your career, Billy. Right? Even though there's no world title on the line. Look, let me just say this: if I, if I win this, it, it, I mean, in a lot of people's eyes, you know, Buster Douglas was 100 to one. You know, what I mean, this, like this is in that sort of a realm. You know, what I mean, like. I am not expected to win. I'm not even expected to be competitive, I don't think, you know? Like, obviously, people know that Billy Dick can fight, but they wouldn't expect me to be competitive against the bigger guy. But, they, you know, I, I am competitive because I've been sparring guys like Anthony Mundine, you know, all these guys for years, you know, and I've always been competitive. So, and, and I've got to be high, you know what I mean? So, I'm, I'm definitely going to bring it. And like I say there, just um, obviously no world title on the line as such, but would this be your biggest win or not? Uh, you know what? Like, obviously, you know, winning a world championship, that was the greatest achievement of my life, but this would definitely be the biggest win of my career. To put Amir Khan on my resume is a big, 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 um, big thing, you know what I mean? So, look, at the end of the day, nothing's expected of me. I'm, uh, I'm the total underdog. I'm 100 to 1. You know what I mean? The pressure's all on him. And all i got to do is just go out and enjoy myself and enjoy the moment and not let it get to me and just soak it up. Like, uh, you know, Andrew Andrew Lewis fought um, uh, Anthony Joshua. No one gave him a hope in hell, you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, everyone's saying he's too short, he's too fat, you know what I mean? People are saying I'm too short, I'm too skinny, but I'm, I'm going to be all right. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have some sneakers bars. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a realist, Billy, and I remember once before. Um, I think you said in, in an interview with me that like you couldn't really see yourself out pointing, out boxing Tevin Farmer to wing. You'd need to knock him out. I think you thought about it a bit more and said actually you probably do have the ability to outbox him. And I'm going to ask you the same question here: Can Billy Dib outbox Amir Khan, or is the knockout the much easier way to win this fight? I'll tell you what, in order for me to win this fight, I'm going to need to be very rugged and very smart. Like, obviously, I need to be I need to be very cautious and I need to fight a smart fight. And Mi Khan's a you know, much bigger man. He's got really fast hands. I think that the key to success for me is just to time my shots. You know what I mean? It's got to, I've got to punch in between his punches. So um, I think it's going to be a chess match, man. I don't, I don't think Amir's going to be... I think he knows that I'm a bit of a fox, you know what I mean? So he ain't going to rush in and do anything stupid early, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I tend to agree with that. Uh, you mentioned there about Andy Ruiz. What is your reaction to, to Joshua's shock loss to Andy Ruiz in the style that, that it happened? It's obviously a little bit old news now, but uh, what, are the, what, what, what are they saying over there in Australia? Well, I'll tell you something, right? Before the fight, everyone was saying, oh, this guy's fat and no, and I was like, look, don't count him out. Trust me, Andy Ruiz can fight. He's he's got some pedigree, you know. And everyone was underestimating. And in the end, just before the fight, I said, everyone, you know what? I'm going with Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz is going to win." And then I tell you what, he, he I I just had a feeling. Look, when Anthony Joshua was walking to the ring, he looked like a fish out of the water. He had no idea what was going on. He looked he looked very um uh, I don't know, like like something had gotten to him. He didn't look himself. You know, he wasn't his chirpy self. So I, I guess. You know, like, the moment got to him, you know, and people need to understand, for fighters, leaving your country and fighting abroad is not easy, you know, it's very, very hard, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're a, a star like Anthony Joshua is and you don't have to leave your backyard because you can make millions of dollars fighting in your own backyard, you know, you, you should just stay there because fighting abroad is not easy, you know what I mean? And hence the reason why you, why they're saying now that if the rematch takes place, they're going to do it in the UK, but... You know, again, I don't, I don't really look. I, I like Anthony Joshua, and um, but I just don't believe he can actually beat um, Anthony. Uh, I don't think he can beat Andy Ruiz. I think Andy Ruiz has got his number. Yeah, a lot of people saying that even over here. Um, and finally, Billy, just coming down to the last couple of things here, I want to get your prediction on the fight with Amir. Um, how do you see the fight playing out and ending? You kind of said there that. Um, you don't think Amir is going to kind of rush in with anything stupid in the early rounds without giving too much away. How do you see it unfolding? Okay, well, if I'm silly, the fight could be over in one round. You know, what I mean? like if I'm if I come out there doing silly stuff, you know, obviously Amir's going to use his strength and his in his height and all that stuff in his reach to try to knock me out. You know, what I mean, so if I'm not cautious early, it could end early. But you know, for, for me, I, I truly believe it's going to be a uh, you know, it's going to be a uh, a very a chess match sort of fight. I'm a smart guy, you know. What I mean, I'm not I'm not stupid, you know. What I mean, when I fought Farmer, I fought with the style of putting super pressure on him, and I, I was trying to step completely out of my shell to do something that I wasn't used to doing. But um, when I fight a man, I think I'm just going to go back to being the old man, you know, being trying to be smart, trying to be smart, you know. What I mean, hands up high and just and just just boxing like, you know, from a distance and just trying my best to uh, stay out of harm's way. And uh, Billy, just before I let you go, have you got anything else you wanted to say to our listeners at all? Just finally, before we let you go. Uh, man, I just want to say thank you for the for the support. I appreciate you guys over the years. If you want to do me a favor, just follow me at Billy Dib on Instagram and Twitter, 
and uh, just followed the journey. Exciting times ahead. Absolutely. Listen, Billy, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my brother. Best of luck out there in Jeddah on July 12th, and we'll definitely speak sometime after. Thank you very much. Okay, and this wraps up episode 193 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the reigning WBO middleweight world champion, Mr. Demetrius Andrade, and of course, the former IBF featherweight world champion, Billy Dibb. There is a new Box Hard Podcast t-shirt competition on our Twitter page. All you have to do is uh, just select any boxing trainer worldwide and send us in your funniest slash weirdest slash most random job role that you could imagine that trainer doing for example you may say that you can imagine dave caldwell working in greg's stuff like that um again we've already had some funny ones come through so jump on board with that one we shall announce a winner real soon uh, we redid the prediction poll regarding the beltran versus comey fight and you the listeners now agree with me you've switched it round and you've now gone for comey to win by ko uh, one piece of news that has broken while we've been recording the show is that flyweight sensation andrew selby has now signed an advisory deal with mtk global hopefully this is the one thing that is career had been missing because you know I've, I've said it before if he doesn't become a world champion then he could really go down as one of the most wasted talents in britain unfortunately he is a real phenomenal fighter uh, but that's about everything to be honest thank you all for listening to this week's show tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and we shall see you all again next week